What is up, guys? My name is KJ, and this is Why Theology. Today, 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 I have with me two special guests. Can you guys please introduce yourselves? So I am Delano. And I'm Shayla. All right. And how did you guys actually meet? Because you guys are getting married soon, right? Oh, yeah. We're getting married soon, December 13th. Uh-oh. <laughs> who met who first? Who said who? who? <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, it's a long story, long story. So um, I'll tell her. I'll start and I'll let you finish yeah. it. Okay. Um, so originally I'm from the Bahamas. So uh, uh, back in the Bahamas, I had a, a friend who also was friends with her. Um, he actually kind of liked her, but I found it out later. Um, <laughs> but we had a we had a mutual friend, and um, so we we ended up um, um, me and this mutual friend ended up getting really really close. And he was a Hebrew Israelite. Um, now, at the time, I didn't know what that was. He didn't call himself a Hebrew Israelite, but he just had all these weird views. Um, so anyway, um, I guess we'll talk about that later. But he ended up basically starting to teach me and bring me into that. And Shayla, her dad was the leader of the group that he was a part of. <laughs> so um, Shayla was in this group. And I met Shayla through him. And... Um, um that's how i met i'll let shayla yeah take it from there yeah that's basically how we met so um that mutual friend and a couple other mutual mutual friends we would um get on a skype call like the old the old <laughs> old days of skype um and then we would just like talk and chat and stuff like that and eventually when he got more serious about like being a part of that community he joined my dad's church hmm. and um then from that point on like after we like met within the group we got close and we started talking like outside of the group um uh -oh. <laughs> so um yeah that's how we met we met through that mutual friend and then when we started talking on our own um we ended up liking each other and then hey. <laughs> and um yeah and it was like literally just through conversation we just ended up liking each other so um yeah, from that point on, um, you know, he would come to like the past, like we would have like high holy days that we would celebrate in the community. Hmm. So he would come to the Passovers and we would have a location where we as a church would like meet up for different holidays. And then he would come and then I would be able to see him in person and stuff like that. So, man, yeah, <laughs> it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I got brought y'all together. And so yeah. today's topic, we're going to be actually dealing with something you guys are probably comfortable with talking about is Hebrew Israelite. Yeah. I don't know the actual word about the actual thing. No, <laughs> no, right. Okay, I'll say the right. All right. And so we're actually going to talk about that. So stay tuned, guys. We'll be back. And we're back. And so Delano and Shay, how did you guys come to know the Lord? Man, well, with me, um, so like I said, I, I, I you know, I, I was in the, the a Hebrew Israelite camp for five years, um, rose up through the ranks and that, and they have their own hierarchy, they have their own system, um, their own structure and how they order things. Um, so I was pretty deep into that. Um, one day, I, for some reason, and Shayla experienced this too, but for some reason, um, there was this constant debate between Christians you know, Christian apologists and Hebrew Israelites. But these weren't just irregular, typical, you know, it, these were like good, like solid Christian apologists. <laughs> and they were just constantly coming at Hebrew Israelites, constantly coming at us. And James White actually debated a Hebrew Israelite. Um, and so that debate basically set things off in my head um, because I was, you know, I was just uncomfortable with the fact that these Christians were giving us such a hard time. I couldn't understand why we couldn't, you know, silence them. And so basically, you know, I I kind of made a, a a resolution to myself that I'm going to read all the, the material, all the books, all the articles. I'm going to listen to all the people that the Hebrew Israelites tell me not to listen to. Uh, I didn't talk to anyone. I, I didn't um, I didn't ask anyone to help me through this, to help me think about it. Nothing. Um I just decided that I would read all the stuff that they told me not to read, listen to all the people they told me not to listen to. 
Um, around the same time, I actually had a debate with some Christian apologists myself, and they just embarrassed me. Uh, it was me and three other friends. Um, and they just embarrassed me. And so I was just uncomfortable, man. I didn't think that they won at the time. I realized that later. But I just was uncomfortable with the fact that we just couldn't, we couldn't beat these guys. So anyway, so I, I bought, um, um, I bought a John McArthur commentary. That's the first commentary I ever bought. Uh, then it was this little app that I used to use called Esor. I don't know if you know what that is. Um, so I had John Gill's commentary, and then I had Albert Albert Barnes' commentary. Oh my god! Yeah. Then I had uh, <laughs> I bought this uh, book on early church history by uh, uh, Justo Gonzalez. Hmm. Um, how I found those books, man. How I came across them, I have no idea to this day. I can't tell you how I found those books. And um, so I would study scripture. Uh, for hours every day I would just I would read and then I would I would um, read the scripture and then I would read the commentary I would read the scripture read the commentary and I just started reading book after book after book after book um, just for months I was doing that um, after a couple of months you know during this entire time I would I would write these questions down and I would keep them at, at the back of my bible and um, I would always tell Shayla because Shayla was you know you know we were dating at the time and and I would tell her like, "Hey, I, I'm getting, I'm having all these questions. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask your dad these questions." Well, after a couple, of mo- a couple of months of me compiling all these questions, I was like, "Man, there's no way this man can answer all these questions. This, this just, just inconsistency after inconsistency, just error after error. I mean, the the evidence was so overwhelming. I was like, what's even the point of me asking? Um, I don't think I was saved at the time." But I understood that I was in a cult. Um, that's where I was at. So, first person, I don't, I, I can't remember. Did I? I don't know if I told you first, or it's kind of fuzzy in my mind now. But um, I had suggested to Shayla that you know I'm I'm getting to the point where it's like, man, this stuff just ain't making sense, <laughs> and I can't reconcile this in my head. But I didn't really want to tell her. I had already decided in my own mind that I was going to leave because. I had already came to the conclusion that I was in a cult. So I, um, some stuff I'm even leaving out, but this is just the main stuff right here. Yeah. But anyway, I had finally built up enough confidence to to tell all of my friends in the cult that I was out because I had started, you know, you know, being around Christians more and talking to them more and getting to know Christians. And um, they started helping me through some, th- some things. And so I finally called up my friends and I was like, man, I'm out. Um, called up um, um, my leaders that were in the the you know camp and, and told them that I was out, and you know like most cults do, I mean just completely rejected me and turned against <laughs> me and told me that I was gonna die and right. you know God was gonna kill me and calling me you know all the the words that you know racial words that you don't want people to call you and that kind of stuff and. Posting pictures of of raccoons on Facebook and you know tagging me in it, um, so that's how it was at first. When I got saved, how I came to know the Lord, um, I can't tell you when. I don't I don't know exactly when. With me, it was just a gradual thing. Um, I just know, man. There was some at some point. I think it was maybe summer of two thousand seventeen. Or maybe early spring 2017, where I came to the conclusion that I was incapable of pleasing God hmm. with my own works, because that's what I was taught before. You know, um, we have to keep the law, and then Christ was well, he he died, so just in case you need some forgiveness if you sin, but you have to keep the law for salvation. Um, I came to the conclusion that I was completely incapable, incapable in and of myself of keeping the law. And that I needed Christ. I, I, I needed his righteousness. I needed salvation from him. Um, some point in 2017. And man, um, from there it was just, you know, growing in my faith. I wasn't a part of a church yet, so I was so immature. Um, I wish I had that that particular day when I figured that out, man. But when I did figure it out, it was, it was freedom, man. It was like going from... Um, death to life right? <laughs> death to life darkness to, to light you know feeling like you were in a prison where you gotta constantly try harder and try harder and try harder to feel like man I could rest 
and my savior. And Christ isn't just, I call it a safety net. Christ isn't my safety net. Christ isn't to say, hey, if you mess up, I'll handle the mistakes for you. But Christ is your savior. And so hmm. your salvation is totally of him. And man, that was just freeing for me. Um, and so I can't remember the, the day, but I remember the the feeling I had after that that experience. So, yeah. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. Miss mm. Shayla, what yeah. about you? How did you come to faith? Was it kind of similar to him? It, it's very similar, like in the very beginning. So I was a part of the the quote unquote cult. Um, and I wouldn't say that it was like a full blown cult. Like they weren't, you know, doing anything crazy. I just say it was a cult in the sense that they really tried to control your life, hmm. and they um, were very, very. Yeah, just very controlling, and if you disagree with them or you wanted to separate yourself from them, um, they would cut you off and, you know, just badmouth you. It was just, so that's why I call it a cult. But, um, yeah, so around the same time that he left and started reading and realized that it was heretical, I hadn't realized yet because I had a lot of, like, cognitive dissonance going on where, like, I knew that it was wrong, but it was all I ever knew. And I was born in it. He wasn't born in it. He decided to join when he was like a teenager. I was born <laughs> in it. Like, that's all I've ever known my whole life. So it took me a while to really come to the conclusion that it was wrong. Um, one big thing for them is like work-based salvation. So they believe you have to keep the Mosaic law to be saved. So I grew up keeping all the dietary laws. I only wore skirts. I could never wear pants. Mm. Um, I couldn't eat certain things. I um, celebrated um, the Lord's Day on Saturday. Um, so they had all the, like all the things that Israelites did in the Bible on Saturday, like they didn't cook, they didn't clean, like they didn't work nothing. So I grew up doing all of that. Um, and so they were very big on like the Mosaic law. So I think the day that I realized that it was wrong, it was a mixture of reading the letters of Paul. So like reading through Paul, he just completely like dismantles work-based salvation or salvation based on your ethnicity or like, you know your lineage or anything like that um which is what they always ta like taught us they're like yeah like you're you have the ability to be saved like you are god's chosen people because you're the seed of abraham so they would tell us like black people were of the seed of abraham so not only was it based on like keeping the mosaic law perfectly but also like you were inherently like chosen because you were of right. that seed of abraham yeah. <laughs> which they could not prove by the way um the israelites were very meticulous about their genealogy and they like knew who was who but like most North American blacks, like it would, you'd have to literally prove that you did come from that lineage. But my parents obviously weren't able to do that. Um, <laughs> but they just believed that they were because they were black. So, um, yeah, it was a mixture of reading the letters of Paul. I was like, man, like salvation and being right with God clearly has nothing to do with my ethnicity or keeping the Mosaic law. Specifically, one that really hit me was Acts 15 where they were actually the pharisees were like challenging them and saying hey like don't these new like converts have to keep the mosaic law and they kind of went back and forth on that hmm. um that was a big one for me that made me realize okay this is not right and then the final straw for me was when i ate bread during the passover so like during the passover you're not supposed to eat yeast or anything um i accidentally ate yeast um at school and um, I realized that if I was back, you know, in antiquity with the Israelites, that I would probably get stoned because I made that mistake. Um, so it made me realize that, like, I can't keep the law perfectly like nobody can. Um, so that was like the intellectual shift, I guess. But I didn't actually get saved and come to know the Lord until I came to Conway. And that happened just through me being very, like, self-righteous. So... It got to a point where I was able to debunk Hebrew Israelism and also articulate the Bible and the gospel. So I got like really prideful about that. And I felt like, okay, I'm a Christian because I can talk about the Bible. I can talk about the gospel. I can explain it. I can articulate it. I have like biblical knowledge equals me being a Christian. Like that was how right. my brain worked for some reason. Yet I did not have the fruit of the spirit. I didn't have the Holy Spirit. I didn't think I was a sinner. I didn't think I was all that bad. I considered myself like pretty decent like yeah I mess up sometimes but I'm a pretty like decent person um especially since I have all the biblical knowledge um the, I would never read the bible like I had no devotional life the only time I'd read the bible is when I was ready to like debate somebody or have like a theological discussion 
but I wouldn't like read it on my own, like on my own time. Um, I never prayed. The only time I would pray is if I was in trouble. Um, you know, that classic, like, God, mm. if you get me out of this, like, <laughs> I'm so sorry, you know, like that kind of situation or like, God, I really want this to happen, you know, kind of like treating God like a genie basically. So that was basically who I was like when I got to Conway, but I thought that I was a Christian just because I was able to identify a heretical doctrine. But like anyone can like read the Bible and see that Hebrew Israelism is inconsistent with the Bible. You don't hmm. have to be a Christian to do that. Hmm. So um, basically it got to a point where um, I got really depressed because I started like looking back on a lot of my just behaviors in my life. And I realized that I didn't know the Lord and I realized that I didn't have Christ because the way that I was living, it's not like I was doing anything like overtly sinful. Like I wasn't like walling out or anything, but I just wasn't living for Christ. Basically like self was my God. So I just did what was right in my own eyes. Like God, like in his word has given us like imperatives and he's given us a guideline for how we're supposed to operate like within with the Holy Spirit and I was just doing the complete opposite like in terms of how I would, I, I would like interact with people in terms of how I would interact with him my friends people at church and how I thought like my view of myself I had a low view of God and then a high view of myself um my standard for what I should be doing was okay well what do I think I should do not what does the Bible say hmm. and that just showed it was very clear whenever situations would happen because I would always lean on my own understanding and how I felt about things. Um, I would even like lean on my own understanding in terms of like what I wanted in a, in a partner. So like the Bible would tell me, okay, well, this is what a husband needs to be. But I would say, okay, you need to be what the Bible says you need to be plus what I say you need to be doing for me. Mm. Like it was so bad. So um, once I realized that I got so depressed because I was like, man, this whole time I thought I was a Christian, but I'm really not. Um, I'm basically just a Pharisee. Um, so got really depressed, but then that sent me into this mindset where I'm like, okay, just because I don't know the Lord, it doesn't mean that I have to continue to not know him. So I started like reading every single day and um, I began to realize that like, I began to like actually understand the gospel like I understood that I was a sinner not that I can like mess up sometimes but that every single thing that I do is drenched in sin mm. um, even the good things that I do and that my only hope is Christ to be right with God so um, I prayed to the Lord and I was like Lord like I'm so sorry like I don't know you but I want to know you um, and like the night that I like prayed that I really feel like that's when the Lord saved me. I can't like pinpoint it and say that it was exactly when, but I know that it was that week because after that week, I really believe that I had the Holy Spirit. Like before then, I never ever felt convicted about pride. I never felt convicted about being resentful towards others or um, being irritated with people or thinking bad thoughts. Um, never. Like hmm. after that day that I like asked the Lord to forgive me for neglecting him and not actually like, treating him as Lord it was like after that I had the Holy Spirit like when I would like think a bad thought about somebody I would feel conviction or if I um if I was being prideful I would feel conviction if I was being resentful feel conviction and I would like really need feel the need to like do something about it like correct it or apologize hmm. um which I that, that was never the case before so that's when I knew I was really saved because it's like I just had this constant awareness of my sin whereas like before I was walking around thinking I was a decent person it was like now it's like I have a I had like a sin sin meter it was like <laughs> like oh, sin yeah like oh sin, sin 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 you know so but then that like made me get really depressed because I was like oh my gosh I'm so sinful there's no way that I could be worthy of like the promises in the gospel because I, I'm just so sinful like every time I turn around a prideful thought a hateful thought or, you know, just a thought that's not rooted in truth. Like, there's no way that I could really be God's child. And then I had to have a talk with him. He had to explain to me that um, that's the Christian life. Like, it's not mm. perfection. Um, kind of like what you were saying today. He was saying how um, when you're saved, um, 
you're free from sin's dominion, but you're not free from sin's presence. Uh -oh. So that's what you said. I believe that's how you phrased it. I'm dying by that video. Yeah. Um, and that, like, that's basically what he told me at that time. He was like, no, like, when you're a Christian, it doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you don't sin. It doesn't mean that sin is just completely non-existent. So even after I got saved, I still kind of had, like, some bad theology. And I, like, basically thought that, like, after you get saved, you're, like, this perfect little angel. And now you have, like, a clean slate. That's all of us, I'm sure. Yeah. And I, like, dirtied up that slate very quickly. So I realized that that was not true. <laughs> so yeah he helped me out a lot and let me know like hey we went through romans chapter 7 like where paul was talking about like wretched man that i am hmm. and um just explaining that as a christian like in this earthly life you'll never really you'll there's never gonna be a point where you're not gonna sin or like not struggle with it it's just that now you have the ability not to sin hmm. whereas before you didn't didn't, yeah. didn't even see anything as sin you just did what you wanted to do um hmm. you could do nothing but sin um and that's the slight distinction but you know the th like but like what he explained to me that i didn't understand is that you know that if there is that war between the flesh and the spirit that's evidence that the holy spirit's residing within you because mm. people that are unregenerated they don't have the holy spirit to counteract sense. their sinful thoughts and behaviors i'm off the chain yeah man. what's the last so, name the road yeah. Ro <laughs> yeah. Ro family man they off the chain <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's basically how I came to know the Lord. How beautiful is both them testimonies, right? When both guys say them, like it's just amazing, man, just hearing that. Mm -hmm. I thought my I thought my testimony was crazy, man. That testimony <laughs> got got off the chain, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> so she kind of mentioned a lot of what I want to talk about, like, you know, the Hebrew Israelites. It sounds like a lot of like modern day like Judaism almost in a sense. Mm -hmm. Especially when she said like the word Pharisee. We know mm -hmm. Paul's writing, he was like the same way he was a Pharisee. He believed in keeping the law. Yeah. And so like both you guys were Formerly Hebrew Israelites, what like somebody that has no idea what that is, or maybe they do. What is that? Y'all can tag team. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is this is the the general kind of summary of it. So Hebrew Israelites, they are a um, black, uh, well, for the most part, black um, nationalistic kind of more or less radical group. They teach that the mostly blacks some of them teach also hispanics and native american indians but there are some groups that teach that only blacks are the true children of god hmm. so meaning that they're the israelites um physical israelites they are descendants of little israelites um uh so that's the first thing um they teach that the you know all the the um the pain and the misery of slavery of you know genocide of the native american indians um you know the atrocities of the jim crow era and you know mm. racism in america all that is as a result of god punishing you god punishing us because we broke his laws so those are curses they get those curses from deuteronomy chapter 28. um so there they they would say that we need to be saved or we are saved we go back to god by repenting remembering who we are and keeping god's commandments meaning all the mosaic law um they're extremely radical they're extremely racist and so no one else besides blacks and hispanics and native american indians can be saved nobody mm. else and so your salvation is rooted in your ethnicity like what shayla said um there's lots of other things i'm not going to touch on everything because i want shayla to come in there and touch on some things as well um that's that's the general gist of it you are an israelite you need to keep god's law for salvation if you don't keep god's law you will die um, mm. All the other nations are either going to be your slaves or they're going to be put to death when Christ comes back. Yeah, um, they're very big on skin color. Um, they're very big on on um, the white man is like this grand um, enemy. That's that's the main enemy of the Israelite people, um, and so they are they are big on um, you know saying that Christ is black, God is black, um, all of the angels are black, all of the Israelites are black. You know, black history has been whitewashed. You know, there are blacks ruling all throughout European U European history, and all that stuff has been whitewashed and it's been covered. And so we're trying to we're trying to return the black man and the black woman to their true identity. So it's a very radical identitarian movement that's um, <laughs> meant to return black people to their true heritage. Um, and I'll, I'll let you say some some more. Before you go, real stuff. quick. So both of y'all said the same thing. It's about keeping like the mosaic law. Like, I know what you're talking about, but like for somebody who doesn't, is it like keeping the Ten Commandments or like the whole law? Like, what do you mean by keeping the mosaic law? That's the thing. Like they don't 
they'll say you have to keep the mosaic law, but they don't even really keep all of it. Mm. So, um, they keep the dietary laws, quote unquote. They try to. Um, and that so, is, yeah. So, like, no pork. Um, just like Leviticus. You can okay. look at Leviticus. You can read it. Um, no pork, no shellfish. Um, they don't eat any unclean animals. Any of the unclean animals in Leviticus, they don't eat that. Mm. All the clean animals, they say you can eat that. Um, they also follow like laws about clothing, so you can't wear a shirt that's polyester and co- like you can't. It has to be a hundred percent of the fabric. Um, they keep all of the high holy days, so they believe that all the holy the the holidays that we keep are pagan in America, <laughs> and the holidays that are meant to be kept are the ones in the Bible. So like Hanukkah, Passover, Day of Atonement, um, yeah, all those holiday high holy days they keep those um, instead of the. The holidays that we keep here in america um they keep well this is really more so just an interpretation but they interpret deuteronomy 22 and 5 as like a dress code so the women are not allowed to wear pants you can only wear skirts and dresses uh they put fringes on the bottom of their clothes from numbers they put like a border of blue and a fringe um i'm trying to think what else do they do like the mosaic law for them is like it's dietary They're ceremonial polygamy. yes some they are all, some of them are polygamous my church, my dad's church was not, but um, not some now. of them are. Yeah, not now. <laughs> um, my dad was actually one of the founders of IUIC, and then before that, he was a part of One West. Those are two, like, really big camps. Mm. So, yes, the Mosaic Law, it's just, it's like, there's different parts to it. So there's, yeah, like, dietary, true. and then there's ceremonial. But there's also, like, an agricultural aspect of it that they completely ignore. Like, the Israelites had, like, rules um, regarding, like, how their houses were supposed to be set up and agriculture but they don't do any of that stuff because they say that you have to you only can keep the mosaic law to the best of your ability within the like context of where you're living which is not true you have to keep all of it mm. so yeah that's essentially like what it is <laughs> earlier i think one of y'all made something about like the sabbath day like how they interpret mm-hmm. like the sabbath day to be on saturday and like how is that different from like christianity what would you guys say yeah yeah so um uh hebrew Israelites have a <laughs> They have this this thing where, um, you know, because they believe that we have to keep all those old covenant laws, that you have to keep the Sabbath on Saturday. So there's no cooking, no working, any of that. Um, that was a very serious sin to them. Um, now we understand for Christians that what that typified, what that what that pointed toward was that rest in Christ. Mm. Uh, and so as as Christians, we don't we don't keep the Sabbath in a ceremonial sense, but we understand how that is fulfilled in Christ. Who would point it toward mm-hmm. and so our rest is found in him an eternal rest um now there are some you know i don't want to get too yeah. complicated on this <laughs> you know you have um some within the reform community community will still say that the lord's day is still a special day that requires you know a, a rest and this is a special day that we you know devote ourselves to the lord and mm-hmm. and at time we spend with our family that's completely fine and that's what i agree with you know um uh, but just generally speaking, we understand what that Sabbath day um, under the old covenant typified, and Hebrew Israelites completely ignore that. Mm. Um, they they completely fail to see how all of the law was fulfilled in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, their their thing is um, they <laughs> they they would say the ceremonial law is fulfilled in Christ, so we don't have to sacrifice anymore. Yeah. We don't have to offer the, you know some some bulls, some goats, and some sheep. Um, but at the same time, all the other laws we still got to keep. So we just got to keep a little bit less laws. That's what they would say in order to be justified. Hmm. Um, but all the other stuff that we don't really feel like doing, like killing a chicken or something or a goat. But it was no chicken sacrifices. <laughs> but killing a goat or something. We don't want to do that. So that's fulfilled in Christ. Um, so uh, th- that's, that's you know, the main difference between how Christians see the Sabbath and how they would see the Sabbath, you know. One difference I noticed right off the top of my head is like you guys know both is like um for like the Jews, like their Bible was like Genesis to Malachi. But like for us in our generation, like it's more of a modern day like Judaism, but like we have the New Testament as well. Mm-hmm. So both you guys coming from like that background, did you guys read the New Testament? Or like were you guys taught or through the New Testament? How was that kind of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um so well some Hebrew Israelites group some Hebrew Israelite groups, they don't read the Old Testament. They're not Messianic. So they're, they're non-Messianic Hebrew Israelites. Uh, we were Messianic. So we believed in Christ. And I'm putting believed in air quotes for people who can't <laughs> see me. So we read the New Testament. Um, the only thing is we would we would fail to see how 
the New Testament fulfilled what was typified in the Old. But we would read the New Testament. Yeah. Um, we just would take out the pieces that we didn't want to believe in. Um, but we thought we believed in, man, look, Christ died for us. Christ is our sacrifice. We would say all that. Yeah. And we read it. Now, not every Hebrew Israelite does that. Um, but we, you know, Hebrew Israelites, they, they fail to see um, how the New Testament, how the apostles saw everything that was written in the Old fulfilled in Christ. And we didn't do that. Um, so. Yeah, they definitely, one thing that they failed to see for sure was just, like he said, how the old pointed to um, Christ, um, and that it was always about Christ from the very beginning. Um, and also, they don't believe that Jesus was God. So mm. that's a huge, huge problem, because that means that you have to come up with some other reason for why he died, um, which is what they do. They say that he died, but it was just so that we wouldn't have to do animal sacrifice anymore. Um, and I think that they're onto something, but I would ask them, well, why don't you have to do animal sacrifice? And why was animal sacrifice not enough? Um, because we had sinned against, like, we sinned against God, who is eternal. And there's no way for us to, like, rectify that mm. with that kind of sacrifice. We would need Christ, who is an eternal being to be our sacrifice and that would be perfect and eternal so that we would be forgiven so i think that they just they don't take it to where it needs to go like they kind of just stop right there and they don't really dig further um well yeah something i i want to point out because you hit on something that it it made me think about something so um hebrew israelites in their mind they they uphold god's law they think that they honor it they think that they keep it they think that um they're glorifying god because they say that you know they keep all the laws whereas christians they dishonor god because christians are saying well we want to keep these laws but we don't want to keep the other laws mm. so that's what they're saying they're saying christians do when it's actually the reverse is christians that actually uphold the law they dishonor the law because they say well we're justified because we only keep the law to the best of our ability christians don't say that christians say in order for you to be justified by the law you got to keep everything down to the the very last letter of the law. Mm. And well, we're we saying, can't. right, we can't do that. <laughs> yeah. But there was one who did it, and that's G Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so we respect the law, we uphold the law, we love the law, we keep the law. Mm -hmm. But we understand that that the law isn't fulfilled in us, it's fulfilled in Christ. Mm -hmm. They don't do that. They dishonor the law. They don't keep yeah. the law. Uh, and so legalism always takes the law, and it always minimizes it. It makes it less important. It makes it less stringent. Um, it requires less obedience. Legalism never requires more obedience. Mm -hmm. Legalism gets people off with saying, with being pleased in works that really don't glorify God at all. It just yeah. glorifies yourself. Yeah. Um, Christians, on the other hand, who understand the gospel, who understand salvation in Christ, they're the ones who really uphold the law and understand what the law demands. Um, they're the ones who, who truly glorify God. And so I just wanted to point that out really quickly. Yeah, that's uh, a good point. Y'all on fire. Y'all on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get y'all cash in these later. So, <laughs> so, like, um, now you guys are both Christians now. So, we, we know, like, in the Reformed community as well, like, all the of the Old Testament is not fulfilled in Christ. You know, that's the civil law, the ceremonial law, and the mm -hmm. moral law. How did that kind of differ? You know, kind of talk about a little bit more about, you know, in Hebrew Israelites, we still have to keep those, and, you know, mm -hmm. making sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, how, how does how does it differ with Christian? Like, how would we say the law is fulfilled? Um, uh, so here's the thing. So I'll explain what Hebrew Israelites think again, and then how Christians come in. So Hebrew Israelites, they 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 have too much. Con they see too much of a continuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament. They think that whatever was happening in the Old Testament that just flows right through into the New Testament. So Christ came and Christ died, and He fulfilled like a little bit of the law. But everything else, yeah, we still got to keep that as is, not understanding that the Old Testament was a covenant. And so you had the Mosaic covenant in the Old Testament. And those laws, those ceremonial laws, those judicial laws, um, those related to that covenant. Whereas with Christians, we understand, number one, that the Ten Commandments was trans-covenantal. I'm getting into a little bit of reform stuff here. <laughs> how, how the Ten Commandments, that, that law that God writes on our heart, that's even before the Old Covenant. That goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, right? Mm -hmm. But we also understand how that ceremonial law and that judicial law, how that was fulfilled in Christ. We understand how those sacrifices, 
um, how those ceremonies, how those washings, how the priesthood, how um, all those things was fulfilled in Christ. So Christ is our high priest. Um, Christ washes us. Christ is our sacrifice. Um, we understand how even the altar, the tabernacle, the temple, well, those typify the true tabernacle in heaven, where Christ as our high priest, he offers himself as a sacrifice, right? He <laughs> presents himself before God. Um, you know, and I, you know, I don't want to go too long on this, but, you know, even, even, uh, the judicial law that the judicial law had a specific function for the nation of Israel in that community. Um, um, and so we don't take, for example, like what Sheila was talking about, we don't take a law about, you know, the Israelites had to have a fenced in roof or they couldn't plant two seeds in the same ground. We don't take that and just apply that straight to where we're at in our community. Well, that had a specific function for the Jewish nation because God wanted to separate the nation of the Messiah will come out of from the other pagan nations around them. Mm -hmm. um, and so Hebrews lets them understand that. And so there's 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 continuity in, in Scripture from all the New Testament, but there's also discontinuity. Hmm. Hebrews lets take the continuity and they overemphasize it. Christians keeping the balance. They say, well, there is continuity. We see how the Old Testament is fulfilled in, in the New, but there's also discontinuity in the sense that we're not we're not the physical people of God, we're the spiritual people of God. Hmm. Um, and so that's how Christians would see that the law now, as Christians, we have the law, the Ten Commandments written on our hearts. Um, and that's all that we we keep now through the Holy Spirit. So here's probably a loaded question for y'all, make y'all probably smile. So which um which part of the law do Christians keep today? Which part of the law do Christians keep today? <laughs> <laughs> I told you to make you smile. Yeah. Um I don't know if you want to. You can go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you put the mouth there, y'all. Oh, um, come on, man. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, um, so Christian, as as Christians today now, um, in some sense, you can say, some people just say, well, we keep God's law, but more specifically, we keep the moral law. So mm. there was a threefold division in the law. So you had moral, you had ceremonial, you had judicial. Um, as Christians, we understand that it was the moral law of God, the natural law of God. That's what's written on our hearts. The ceremonial law and the judicial law had a temporary, typical kind of um, purpose in the Old Testament that pointed yeah. to Christ. So now that after Christ came, the shadows are no longer important. The substance is what's important. So we don't worry about the shadows anymore. We don't worry about laws regarding the physical temple or the physical land or physical priesthood anymore. Now we're focused on the substance, which is Christ. And so as a Christian... Everything that was foreshadowed in the Old Testament and ceremonies and those judicial laws is fulfilled in Christ. Um, and the moral law is written on my heart. So thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet. Um, all those things, thou shalt, you know, worship only the, you know, the Lord thy God. You know, what's the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. Um, that's the laws that, that Christians keep, so... So why um why would you guys say um if Christ done away with the judicial law and the civil law or which one I'm missing the ceremonial law why has Christ not done away with the moral law in Christianity am I making sense right that's that's a that's a good question and it's it's simply because the moral law is a reflection of what God's holiness yeah so this this moral law shows the character of God and as Christians created in the image of God we have the spirit of God that. We have that new birth that helps us to keep those laws that reflect his character. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is transcovenantal. God didn't just give the moral law and write it on our hearts because it was a temporary thing. Mm -hmm. No, this isn't a temporary thing. This this moral standard existed eternally because God existed eternally. And so we need to be holy like God is holy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also add that as a Christian, it's not just, um, it's not like we're just sitting there like, okay. These are all the things that we should not do. Um, I think it's also like as a Christian, like being in Christ, there are now all these new things that you have the desire to do. Mm. So like new holy desires are imputed to us. Um, so it's not like we just have this list of like all the don'ts and we're just making sure we avoid those things. Um, that's part of it. But I think that we also as Christians, we have a lot of new holy desires that we pursue and holy desires that are now driving us and now are the motive behind a lot of the things that we do so it kind of he always says like we have to put off things as christians but we also need to put on things like those mm. holy desires have to replace 
you know, the sinful ones and have to replace, um, have to replace the, the ones, the wrong desires, essentially. <laughs> yeah, y'all on fire. I'm about to um, hire y'all for the team and get us some mics up in here. <laughs> the team. So you guys yeah, mentioned how, um, you know, that it is a code, right? And you don't think about most codes, you try to get out of a code, what tends to happen, like death probably, right? But for you guys, it seems like, you know, God, he saved you from this code in your lives as well. Not just spiritually, you guys, you know, new birth and stuff like that, but physically, mm-hmm. you guys get out of that. What's the process like of getting out of, like, that? Like, maybe there's somebody listening today, mm-hmm. and they're scared to leave this, quote-unquote, cult because of their life, or what family might think of them. What would you guys kind of give as encouragement, or if I'm making sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I would just tell them to, honestly, this might sound like a, like a cliche, but honestly, like, just trust in the Lord, because mm-hmm. when I left, I genuinely was so scared um but the lord he just kept his hand over me honestly um he never ever left me lacking anything um i had moved away from my family and you know it still hurts to this day not being around my family because i love them um but at the same time the fulfillment and the assurance and confidence that you'll receive in christ and not just that like that's definitely a big component of it. But when you're in Christ and you're living according to God's word and you're, um, you get the, you have the ability to experience like his means of grace, like fellowship and prayer and all those things. Um, it's so, it's so filling, like it's so enriching that all that extra stuff that you may have left behind, it really, it just pales in comparison. Like you don't even, you're not even worried about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I would say. Um, once you really experience the Christian life, everything that you were doing in the cults or whatever community that you came from, it's going to pale in comparison because you're really going to see what it's like to truly like live a life for the Lord and what that looks like. You know, it's not legalistic. You're not a Pharisee anymore. Mm-hmm. You're actually like walking out a saved life and that's just very different. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, Man, I, I also know what was tough for me was I was so uncomfortable to read those things that they had told me not to read, um, you know, to study those things they told me not to study, to watch those things they told me not to watch. And so I would say if you're someone that's on the fence, don't be afraid to listen to Christians, to try to understand Christians. We One, one thing about Hebrews is that so, and this is what's so... Um, this is why their hold on you was so tight, because they give you this caricature of Christianity that almost makes Christianity seem like the stupidest thing ever. Yeah. They have this saying that Christianity is worse than crack. And Great. so they, which is ridiculous. And so, you know, they they give you this caricature, this 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 stereotype of just, uh, you know, Shayla would say a fair weather Christian. Um, someone that claims to be a Christian but is just living their life any kind of way. Mm-hmm. And that's the image of a Christian that you have. Now, I want to say to the person that's on the fence, because usually they're, they're coming from a background where they weren't really in the church, but they know a lot of Christians, and they probably went to church once or twice, and so they maybe consider themselves a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want to say this. Get to know actual Bible-believing saved born again christians listen to to christian scholars listen to to theologians that um these aren't the guys that you ridicule you know in the past you know they're jumping up and down and singing and sweating and screaming (laughs) don't that's not what christianity is you know that was the biggest thing for me because when i had came across guys that studying you know they study the word they're preaching the word when i came across reformed theology I was like, man, this is a different kind of Christianity mm. I thought was out there. And it amazed me the stuff I didn't know. I realized how ignorant I was. And I was ignorant. I was closed-minded um, because that's what they told me. That, that, they, that's, they told me to be like that. Um, so read those things. Get to know those things. Um, you know, I, I would say also examine, examine your, your leaders. One of the hardest things that I had to come to grips with was that the men that led me were hypocrites. Mm. So I'm saying you that are that are in that, look at the fruits of the men that are leading you. Are these gentlemen? Are these kind men? Are these men 
and that are loving their wives, taking care of their wives? Are these men that are killing sin? Are these men that are actually being obedient to what scripture says? Or are these hypocritical men that are abusive and loud and angry and constantly in some sort of controversy or fight with other people? Um, do they not even allow questions? I mean, are they harsh with you? Um, come to grips with that. And so um, also the last thing I want to say, and Shayla could relate to this too. Man, stop reading it. This is going to make sense to you, Bridgelot. This might not make sense to you, KJ, but stop reading your Bible. One verse here, one verse there, one verse somewhere else. Grab your Bible. I want you to start from the first chapter in whichever book you want to start in. Read that chapter straight through. Mm -hmm. Don't jumble it up. Don't jump from scripture to scripture. Read it in context and read it straight through. I promise you, you will realize that the way that you were taught to read the Bible and the interpretations you got from that method was completely wrong because they're taking it out of context. So um, that would be my, my advice. What would be like some resources, like, you know, maybe some scholars you guys have heard in the past or some theologians you guys like? I got one follow-up question to close out, but who are you? <laughs> um, man, so, so many have been helpful for me. Um, definitely early church history. Um, Justo Gonzalez, he has a good two-volume set on, on, I think it's called The History of Christianity. He has a two-volume set on that. Um, get you a good commentary. There's lots of good commentaries out there. You get free ones like John Gill, Albert Barnes. Those are pretty good. John MacArthur is pretty good. Um, you know, um, I would also say um, good theologians to listen to are people like James White. Mm -hmm. And that's mainly because James White actually has debated um, Hebrews lights. So I would say listen to him. Mm -hmm. um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Michael Brown debated a Hebrews light. Um, yeah, um, you know, Michael Brown actually is Jewish. So he's a good guy mm -hmm. um, to listen to specifically on, on that stuff. Yeah. Um, one thing that's been really helpful for me, um, and I've discussed this with a few people, is covenant theology is actually very helpful uh -oh. for... Reformed Baptist covenant <laughs> yeah, theology. Yeah, Reformed Baptist covenant <laughs> theology is yeah. very, very helpful for understanding the errors of Hebrew Israelites. Because like I said, again, is they, they assume just this basic, generic continuity between Old and New Testament. Um, so covenant theology is really good, you know. Um, Jeff Johnson, his book, The Fatal Flaw, that was oh. a real good one that helped me out. Kingdom of God, too, right? Kingdom here. of God is a good one that helped me out a lot. That's that's a that's a really good book. Also, um, there's another one that I read. It it deals specifically with, um, you know, like the history of Christianity in Africa. I, I cannot remember the name. I I think it was something like, can the black man be a Christian or something like that. Was it the Beatty maybe? Man, that or wasn't the I, I can't remember. I can't man. That's something I don't know. Maybe you have to put that in the notes <laughs> or something. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I I'll you, get man. back to you, you on that one, man. But those are some good resources, man. And just to start off with and start simple, man. Just read scripture. Start with that. All right. So this is kind of... <laughs> so I'm going to give you guys two verses in like, you know, five to ten minutes. What is the gospel? The two verses are Isaiah chapter 6. It says, God is holy, holy, holy. And the second verse is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And he... Oh Lord, and He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we may become the righteous of God. Okay. What is the gospel based on those two verses? Those two verses. Mm -hmm. Okay. Y'all can tag team. So, um, yeah, I think kind of what He was saying about just God's law, and how it's a reflection of His unchanging character. And um, often we look at the law and we try to say, okay, this is God's law, so let's try to keep it. Um, but it was really never put there for you to completely keep it. It was actually or people refer to it as a mirror. So mm. it was to really show you, okay, this is God's unchanging character. And when we see the law, it just com it shows us how completely incapable we are of consistently keeping that. Um, so, um, yeah, God's, God's law is unchanging and because he's holy. Um, and um, I think once we realize that we are incapable of keeping that law, um, you know, sin is really just doing the opposite. It's a transgression of the law. So, Sin is when we do the opposite of what God's law is. And we can do nothing but sin. We're born. We have a sinful nature. We can do nothing but sin. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, once we get to the point where we realize that, um, that's where Christ comes into play. So um, our faith in Christ who died on the cross, um, you know, and it, 
it really also I think shows God's character as well just like Christ coming to die for us because when you look at the Trinity and you see that it pleased God to have Christ die on the cross for us and that was something that he set up from the very beginning um it was always planned out that that would happen that he would save us from our sin so God knows that we're we have a sinful nature and he he already had the remedy for that from the from eternity so um yeah, if you want to like add some stuff in, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nah, I, man, you were doing good. I just was listening to my man. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, you know, God, holy, holy, holy. You know, even the angels who are sinless creatures calling God holy. Mm. So his his holiness is transcendent, and that's that's the main thing that holiness means. You know, even in scripture, his transcendence. You know, but also his moral purity, and we are not holy, which is quite evident. But if you have a holy God and unholy people, God can't hold us guiltless. I mean, his law requires death. His law yeah. requires punishment. Uh, and so technically speaking, according to God's holy law, we need to die. Yeah. I mean, technically speaking. People die every day, actually, too, right? Yeah, people yeah. die every day, but we need eternal punishment. <laughs> we, we, we offended and we transgress an eternally glorious and, yeah. and, and transcendent God. Um, you know, it's almost like if you had a king and if you disobeyed that king, that's different from if you got mad and said something crazy to your wife, you know, that's different. Mm. Um, that's a lot more of a weighty crime to just to say something crazy to the king. Um, God is the infinitely transcendent king Mm. and we transgress his holy law. Mm -hmm. Um, but not only that, but God is loving. Um, God is kind and compassionate to, to send his son um to bear the penalty of his law mm-hmm. um and not only that but to keep his law perfectly yeah. right and so that righteousness um that we couldn't accomplish through keeping the law christ did it mm-hmm. so you know you have his his passive obedience and his active obedience so passively christ died for us he satisfied the penalty actively christ kept the law in our place mm-hmm. and so his righteousness is imputed to us so he became sin for and he knew no sin and I forgot how it goes. I'm not looking at it right now. And in him, we became the righteous. In him, we became the righteous. So you, you, that's it right there. And so that's the gospel. Um, mm-hmm. That's the gospel. The gospel is is all in Christ. It's all of Christ, man. Soul is Christus. Um, so, yeah. Man, I definitely appreciate you guys for coming on. Definitely going to have to either come to y'all and come with you guys to come back down. Mm-hmm. Definitely another episode. Yep. Whatever you guys want to talk about, we can talk about. Yep. You guys got any last words you want to say or... Man, I just want to say, man, thanks for having us on, man. Yeah, thanks. Good, man. <laughs> Nothing's ever free, so you guys, like always, my cash <laughs> out name is PAY151.